Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman. You can call me H. And I'm Ryan Quintel. You can call me Q. So Q, how have you been lately? We've been kind of cooped up inside, uh, you know, doing our civic duty. Well, in in true playwright spirit, H, I, I'm looking for <laughs> new ways to play. So I, I downloaded Doom Eternal. I was so turned off by uh the requirement to create a bethesda account just to get into the game um i just want to play the single player of this stupid thing bethesda please take note (laughs) that i was like you know what i'm not gonna play this i'm gonna try and ask for a refund i i'm not even uh, that excited about it as much as i love doom 2016 and so i started talking with people and going down the rabbit hole as i have bought the stuff before but have yet to use it to play dungeons and dragons i'm really interested in this Mm. i've uh yeah i've never done that are you do you start with uh do you just need the book or do you need you i guess you need special dice but do you need any like board or figurines or anything well i think the the biggest hurdle to overcome is you need other people (laughs) yeah yeah. So, so i think like that's uh, you know, at a time of social distancing, what a better opportunity. Yeah. So you need people. So in this time of social distancing, I thought this might be a good, uh, a good way to get some human contact in my life outside of just, you know, you and my wife are basically mm-hmm. the people that I'm talking to. I guess my family. Just the but, necessities, you know, you know. Just the necessities. I hope you know, and I hope you feel great about being a necessity of my life. <laughs> so how's the uh, Dungeons and Dragons journey coming so far? Have you found, have you, I don't know, plotted out your character yet? Have you run a campaign? I have a wizard. I, you, I love to play wizards. People who listen might already know that, but uh it's level one i have yet to join a campaign i've just joined a discord server um with the promise of some people that uh, my youngest brother knows who potentially are looking for players to run a campaign and i've joined roll20.com um which i guess is more of like a pervasive online community but i've got before me the uh D player's handbook which is not an unsubstantial document, 300 and change pages of, of all this stuff, because they really go into serious detail about uh, some of this stuff. Interesting. So uh, I, I guess any, you probably don't have any stories to tell at this point yet, but we can probably look out for that in uh, upcoming episodes. Yeah, I hope to A, share stories, and B, if you're a listener and you know of a group that needs a new player or something like that, please reach out to me at Ryan Quintel on Twitter, and uh, I, w- I would love to join if you would uh, if you would like to have an additional player, so let me know. Must be able to work remotely. Must be able to work remotely, that's right. I've got Discord, I've got uh, Slack, I've got almost anything that you can imagine communication-wise, so. Let's, uh, let's go into some game pitches today and come up with our own campaigns. So, Q, you're going first. What are you going to bring us? So, this week I want to pitch a wave-based cover shooter, but here's a little twist on it. Uh, the, the cover is assembled of 
the bodies of the fallen enemies on the battlefield. So in between rounds of uh, handling, and maybe during even rounds of handling these waves of enemies, you're able to kind of pick up bodies Hitman style, deposit them on top of each other, stack them into really gross, squishy walls of cover, basically carve out your own battlefield, funnel enemies through all with this sort of interactive, uh, let's call it uh, bio-engineered medium. All right, I like this one. Let's go ahead and start the clock there. I was thinking it might be even more interesting if we can't move the bodies once they've fallen. It almost makes this kind of like American football in a way, where if you're trying to like, if there are two opposing forces kind of like moving towards the other person's end zone, so to speak, wherever somebody gets shot is essentially building a piece of cover closer or farther away from the enemy camp. And so, you know, Mm -hmm. if it's if if somebody gets shot way back in the line, then that is a safe place to be right up on the enemy line, which is, you know, an advantageous place for uh, for your team to try to advance to. But if, uh, you know, if, if they make it past your kind of line of scrimmage, as it were, then <laughs> they have an advantageous spot. And it's uh, kind of a it's kind of like moving that um, moving that front line, so to speak. And it's. um. I just like that kind of like the back and forth there and the risk reward also of incentivizing you to shoot the person who's farthest away from you, which is the most difficult shot has the highest reward versus the people that are right on you. You stand to gain very little, but, um, you know, they're easier shots and pose more immediate threats. Yeah. And I think like some of the give and take there, right, is in the scenario of the person's right on top of you, they also become like emergency cover, right? Generally, if the enemies are getting that close to you, you're in need of more obstacles between you and them. And so you're very quickly getting these bodies. I guess the bodies would have to be seemingly weightless in order to make them feel uh, even remotely good in that scenario. But that could be kind of neat. So in this, I'm, I'm starting to think that it would be kind of interesting for the time between rounds to be time limited. So you have this sort of frantic uh, stack things up instead of just Mm -hmm. like, Oh, the next round will happen when you queue it. But maybe because we're dealing with not like a more durable material, I think you could also do like explosions and stuff blowing away cover it's it's the like grossest version of destructible cover uh in a game yeah i was thinking like what what would make like interesting cover and enemies thinking like maybe each enemy could be like a big blocky rocky like a golem type of creature or almost like those uh like those big square ghosts in Luigi's Mansion. Well, if you killed one of those, I mean, obviously it's a ghost. And so that, that time has already kind of come and gone, but something kind of of similar proportions, then it could easily just fall on its face and become a little like chest high wall. I can see that happening. Um, or potentially like in the, the worms series, whenever you kill one of the worms, a little tombstone pops up a kind of comical take on it, but a way that you can justify somebody dying and then essentially being planted as a piece of cover. <laughs> That's interesting. I do like the idea of fighting these golems or, or even if you do have, uh, because I'm in my mind, it almost, this could have a, an evil dead level of just ridiculous, squishy, squirty, bloody <laughs> grossness. And 
I like the idea of like armored enemies as well, uh, just by nature of the fact that they have armor. You might want to make sure that like there is one armored enemy per body pile. <laughs> I don't know any better mm-hmm. non-gross way of saying this, but you throw in armored enemies to make sure that a cover has like additional bullet resistance or explosion resistance, that sort of stuff. And maybe even as cover is destroyed, you get some sort of way uh, overpowered melee by taking somebody's leg and just start whacking people with it. And you just balance that. So that's like a huge amount of damage for some reason. I guess the thing about like stacking bodies and making cover out of that, like I feel like cover shooters are very binary things in a way where, you know, you're either in cover or you're not. Mm. And if you kind of have to guess whether or not you're fully covered, then I mean, there's uh there's fun elements of that in, in stealth type games, but it's just, you know, it, I guess it feels like you want to know whether or not your person is covered. And if you're stacking like flesh and blood enemies and if there's any kind of physics system in play, yeah, then uh, they're, they're introduce that level of uncertainty that might kind of work against any strategic elements. Yeah, you maybe you need to do something like you need at least three bodies or something to equal like one thing of cover and then it's roughly like five or six feet across but I, I think you could also, like, if you have a, a battlefield that's constantly being strewn with enemies, like, we'll say the rules are, like, one enemy you can actually step over. Two enemies uh, or two bodies you would trip. Three are actually, like, the minimum for cover. And then you could go, like, four, five, six, and then you're starting to build, like, a wall where you could stand, technically, and be in cover. And now, I one of the things, like, in the division... When you have uh, certain abilities that you queue, you can kind of be in cover and also command uh, something else. So maybe you're able to have some abilities where, oh God, or maybe you can throw one of these bodies on on a little remote controlled drone or something like that and create a distraction. I mean, real Weekend at Bernie stuff here. (laughs) I don't know if I've ever seen kind of puppeting around a fallen enemy to try to disguise them as like as a living threat coming towards the enemy side. Yeah. If it was a PVP thing, I would like putting, putting the body on essentially making a scarecrow with a, a fallen enemy. You could uh, even give it a name plate and like a fake little health bar. Uh, so as it, as it gets sent out there, people are like, Oh my God, is that uh, you know, a player coming at me or whatever? You know, you could also do the sort of like things that you've seen in movies where, Maybe if you can step over a single body, you can like affix a sensor or an explosive to a body. So if it is a body, you're essentially laying like a minefield down that is hidden underneath some of these fallen enemies. I like the idea of everything really being killable, blow upable. Like, I mean, aside from like the floor, like the environment is almost fairly bare you know except for one or two major like set pieces in a map and and then somebody like even as like while a match happens if you get somebody down low enough in health you can grab them and then they're like a human shield and that's the that's the only way to have armor and that sort of thing so in a in a lot of horde mode type of games it's humans fighting against aliens or some other species orcs or something like that something really dehumanized (laughs) (laughs) uh would you want to kind of maintain this um level of distinction between the characters and non 
non-playable characters or would you want it to be more of a uh maybe you can even kind of choose whatever race you want to play as yeah i i like that idea and then you you have different races in that that gives you different access to not only weapons but um the maybe the th- the things that those uh races know how to do so like if you had it kind of fantasy based and you had you had orcs or something that could you know what i i didn't mean to say it works like if you had demons and demons could possess fallen bodies and like that's an ability they have or you have like some high technology aliens that can uh you know send out electrical pulses or they've got special technology or you have the humans that are doing like guns and explosives and that sort of stuff i uh I think like the Starcraft esque uh, layout here works good. Like far future crazy aliens, the gross like bio mutant things, and then of course your your standard fare. But yeah, you could definitely have fun with that stuff. That's enough time there. Let's close it down and give it a name. Oh man, I'm trying to think of like what what you would call just like a lifeless former living is like is meat bag too gross here <laughs> that could be fun i mean i i don't know of any other game edge. that uses that name meat bags mm. what do they call the but the uh like it's is it's just like cold storage or something to have like the warehouse full of like cow dead cows on hooks the yeah, meat like, locker uh... <laughs> <laughs> that has a hurt locker vibe to it too meat locker i wonder if there's anything that kind of like evokes the feeling of of war in a way of yeah. uh, open battlefields would you call somebody who like also is like improving something industrious you can call it detritus meaning uh like trash <laughs> detritus oh man operation detritus dude <laughs> yeah that's stupid enough that that'll that'll get it done okay operation detritus um let's go over to my pitch now so I know that we've talked about uh, evolution type of games before, um, inspired by Spore and other similar games like that. But how about something that is a uh, very kind of like quick and easy reigns like evolution game where basically you're given a species and you have to kind of guide it to viability. But every decision that you make is essentially maybe between two uh, very similar versions of the creature or maybe it's uh you're just given kind of a a list of uh of pictures and you have to kind of either swipe left swipe uh swipe right on Uh which ones end up surviving and the changes are minuscule but over time the uh you know the hand of evolution eventually does come through and these little these little features that uh you might have selected in past generations end up paying dividends down the line or maybe have uh, lead to some kinds of problems maybe there's more information that's given to you about the creatures and you have to kind of choose a little bit of good and a little bit of bad along the way as well so the very kind of light touch reigns like evolution game so i'll go ahead and start the clock there so something i remain fascinated by is, is something i read a while ago in a, in a textbook or something and i don't even know if it's true but uh <laughs> so i shouldn't say it ryan but here here it goes uh <laughs> The humans, uh, primarily the reason why we have body hair is because uh, we needed some protection against adverse weather, 
right? Mm-hmm. In in that vein, humans now almost entirely live in some sort of temperature controlled environment, whether it's just like your basic shade from the sun or, uh, you know, blankets for the cold. So the need for body hair is technically vestigial, right? So maybe in an evolutionary future, we are these weird, smooth flesh beings. And Mm -hmm. I, I do like the idea of, of swiping, maybe, Maybe it's like a body part, but maybe it's also like the way that this species lives and the things that they prefer. And and you go, you know, you're advancing hundreds and hundreds of years at a time. And maybe there's a visual and maybe there's not a visual. But like after uh, after your sort of run is over and your species inevitably destroys itself. Right. That's definitely how it ends. Uh, <laughs> that uh, that you get some actual visual like a little timeline animation of like the years that things changed and like what the creatures were looking like uh, over that time so you get this kind of like fun animatic recap yeah like fast motion type of thing yeah most of all the thing that i want to demonstrate is how small the changes are from generation to generation when you're talking about kind of macro evolution and how you know subtle everything can be and uh, yeah, I, I am interested in some of those kind of evolutionary dead ends or features that might have been uh, useful before, but due to changing circumstances, ultimately don't end up leading to anything useful. Uh, so, you know, what other kinds of, uh, do we want to allow you to kind of flip a card over and have stats on the back or have more kind of written descriptions about these creatures? Do we want to keep it pretty, pretty light and breezy? Like, wh- what do we... What are we thinking and uh, how much storytelling can we do in between generations? Yeah, maybe every time you sort of live the entire span of a particular species, you get some some evolutionary trait of that species is inherited into the next species or the evolutionary traits of the species are added to a potential data bank. And so you have like all the possible like types of things that can happen to eyes and ears and like all these different parts of the body. Uh, you're, you're really just trying to like go through making decisions to sort of fill out a library. And then I can imagine people sharing like, oh, this is how you, this is what you have to make happen to get this thing. It's coming across very spore-like now. Um, during evolution, obviously the environment and other species, whether they're acting as predators or prey, Uh, affect the development of any other species. And so, you know, I I would like if there was some way to kind of deliver updates or to see other species evolving kind of alongside viewers, just so you can kind of get a sense of like what uh, potentially what niches in the environment are already being filled or what types of predators you should be protecting yourself against, that kind of thing. So I don't know if you're seeing multiple hands on screen at once, kind of like a game of poker or whether you are uh, just kind of getting little blurbs every hundred years or so. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm like, if you had a full TV to show this with, like, could you do the Tetris 99 layout of other species evolving along with yours? And maybe the point is, like, uh, whichever species... Oh, this is this is kind of an, an, maybe a different direction, but you're competing all to make decisions very quickly 
to evolve a species is almost like Age of Empires. Like whoever gets to the modern age first is going to have tanks. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you're just trying to very quickly make the right decisions to be like, okay, I need I need thumbs on these things. So like, the second I get thumbs, then I can work towards, uh, you know, building tools or whatever. This sounds interesting to make it kind of like a Tetris 99 type thing where there's that level of speed and having to read things quickly. Yeah. Um, I think when these types of games end up coming around, it feels like the uh, the most survivable creature in a, a directly competitive environment is going to be the most aggressive. And so people are going to, I think, naturally default towards just selecting the, you know, the sharpest little bits and the yeah. hardest bones and things that make your creature look the most, you know, fearsome. Uh, whereas... I would like if there was some sort of a viable way for, you know, herbivores and non-violent, non-predatory creatures to also kind of live and compete. Yeah, I wonder if you can, like, if you build, so maybe there, let's define some conditions for a species, quote, winning, right? So maybe the really aggressive species has, like, a much higher percentage chance to actually wipe itself out. Mm -hmm. Like, world events happen or whatever, and that, and then I like the idea of, like, a, a heavily, you know, pacifist or nerdy species potentially being able to develop something like time travel or mind control or something like that, and, uh, you kind of have the technology run, right? And then the, uh, maybe a species that's particularly greedy or something is how you get an economic victory and, and you're just placing enough sanctions or something on the other. So like maybe instead of like the Tetris 99 thing, you get, imagine a layout of sort of four columns. It's you against three other people. The cards are coming up, um, in the bottom, like third of the screen the cards are coming up and you're swiping left and right and you're making those decisions. And as those things happen, you see like little images and montages and, and stuff of your planet evolving and your people progressing. And if you make a match like time-based, you kind of lock in the years that things are happening across all four players. You could almost play this asynchronously where Maybe a person gets 10 swipes and then you kind of have to wait for everyone else to kind of get on the same page. Yeah. It would be kind of fun to just, you know, get the notification on your phone and pull it out on the subway and then people see you in a kind of dating app type of format, swiping <laughs> between pictures of wolves or something like that. And like, what kind of person is this? <laughs> and it would be really interesting too is, so I like that. And you could do like, hey, there'll be uh, 10 rounds per quote age or per mm -hmm. period of time. And then you could also like make the information available on the cards and on the decisions fall in line with how your species is progressing. So the maybe the more intelligent uh, the species or sometimes you make choices for, you know, developing more intelligence just so you get more information on the decisions that you're making. So like a species that say uh, balances things like intelligence, aggression, and empathy, and that sort of stuff is the one that's going to maybe be able to make some of the best decisions. What if there's a kind of a point that everyone is working towards, which is like the, the point of becoming kind of like intelligent or self-aware or something like that? Maybe in the long run, eventually kind of the omnivores and, and vegetarian or not vegetarians, herbivores are the ones that have kind of a natural advantage in a way. 
uh, versus the carnivores, but the carnivores have kind of an early game advantage of being able to kind of like take out the other species. Yeah. Like there's the, it's, it's essentially like the Zerg rush run. Yeah. Kind of. Uh, but you know, I'm just thinking like humans aren't necessarily purely carnivorous. Like we eat plants. I mean, we're supposed to eat plants primarily, but that's not the way that it goes. Most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the animals just taste so darn good. Uh, the, <laughs> what I like about, uh, that is, yeah, you could do things where like, Oh, um, maybe you all, by the way, like the thing that's shared amongst all four players is you all end up on the same planet. Right. So then you could time up like world events or you can time or you can tighten up, uh, or standardize across all the players. Like here's the animals that are on this planet. Here's the temperatures that are on this planet. Here's the like natural events and disasters that can happen on this planet. Then everybody is trying to like figure out not only just like, okay, maybe there's only so many combinations of species, but you're rewarded for understanding like what species will most thrive in given their natural environment. All right, we're out of time there. Let's uh, come up with a name for it. I like the idea of something like as abstract as the long game, <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't exactly sound like something you want to play. <laughs> or maybe it's just good value for money. <laughs> are there other words that are associated with evolution? What if you went the opposite? If you went like extinction or something? Extinction, that that has a ring of kind of like a card game. Uh, they all have those kind of pithy one word titles. Yeah. And you're just looking to be the last species that goes extinct, but rest assured you all go extinct. All right. Uh, Let's call it extinction then and move over to the community. We have a pitch submitted to our website, playwrightcast.com slash pitch from, uh, and excuse me for the pronunciation here, but uh, potentially Basil Zalem. I'm going to guess Uh, again, apologies (laughs) if that, is wrong, most likely wrong. I have an idea for a 3D fighting game like Tekken, but it's about hotel workers like waiters, cooks, guards, cleaners, etc. And if you're interested, please let me know and I will give you more detailed info. Thank you. Well, we uh, we are very used to operating on uh, <laughs> very not little. All that much info. So uh, I guess, especially seeing as there was no return address left on it, <laughs> we're just going to have to uh, go with that and see what we come up with all right starting the clock let's uh let's clean the hotel yeah i like the idea of um to to use a term like a more normative fighting game like all fighting games are based on people with like extraordinary abilities and so what would it be uh if you made these things very grounded like what tools would you have access to and that sort of thing what's um so this was kind of pitched as being a 3d fighting game Um, I think, you know, it's easy enough to imagine anyone just kind of like throwing down the mop and starting to fight, but like, what could be a fun way to approach this in kind of like a fighting game like way, but in a way that also let's mix it up a little bit. Let's make a, you know, the reduction of life bars, not necessarily be the, the end goal. Let's work in this kind of hotelier aspect. Have you ever played the fighting game Distraga? Uh, no. <laughs> so this is a, this, I'm proving my old mandem here. This is a super D-I-S-T-R-E-G-A. Uh, and I think it was on the PlayStation 1. I remember a PlayStation 1 
demo disc and playing a lot of Distrig on that and then renting it multiple times. But it was probably not an all time great fighting game. But one of the things that it did interestingly was it was one of the first times I experienced this kind of large battlefield one on one where players could really run very far away from each other. Um, and they had abilities that were homing or semi homing projectiles to get there. But what if we blew out the concept of you can kind of with the left joystick run around almost like an action RPG as you fight each other, but you're you're doing so in the space of a hotel. And so if you're a cook, if you can get to the kitchen, uh, there's all sorts of tools there that you have access to that you know how to use. And the the same thing for the sort of other professions there. The cleaner can get to the, the janitor's closet and have access to all sorts of uh, fun stuff. This is interesting. I've seen 3D fighting games um, that have kind of a, uh, not not quite a platforming focus, but have a little bit more mobility, like the uh, the narrow tool games and the jump force have more of kind of like 3D running around, but it's usually like a flat, empty arena. I know that, uh, uh, what is it, Power Stone on the Dreamcast has, you know, some variants in the levels of the ground and uh, it's a little bit more Smash Bros in that type of way. Yeah, I assume there's probably a more uh, contemporary example <laughs> than Distrega, but Distrega singularly sticks out in my mind. I don't know why. I was thinking like, I've never seen a, a fighting game that has like an actually ins- like explorable 3D environment that you can run around in like it was a Hitman level or something like that. Obviously not something that big. You want to keep it a little bit more contained. Yeah. But maybe there's something interesting about, well, I guess, you know, now that I think about it, a game that just came out recently on Game Pass <laughs> oh. uh, to bring in some of my work here is um, uh, Bleeding Edge, which is uh, kind of a throwback to um, Max Anarchy or Anarchy Reigns. I don't remember what it was called. I think it was called both of those things in different regions. I'm excited uh, about which, Bleeding Edge, but are, are you too biased to tell me if it's good and I should check it out? We'll save I've, it for after uh, the show. I've only played little tiny bits. I, I don't have enough experience with it to be able to judge, but Got it's it. essentially it's kind of an Overwatchy type of like team-based game, but instead of shooting each other, it's mostly kind of melee focused and... uh almost a little bit more like a MOBA in that way uh, where you're kind of piloting these heroes into these, uh, the center to kind of clash and use special abilities and stuff like that. And so, cool, you know, that is kind of a fighting game ish setup in a 3d explorable environment. That's interesting. So now in, yeah, I can imagine that this thing would be like of a scale where, you know, it's a, it's more of a, maybe one floor of Luigi's mansion sized hotel. And maybe there, and maybe that's what the stages are different floors of the hotel. Right. Uh, hopefully this is a, a hotel that's half as interesting as the, the latest Luigi's mansion game. Um, but you can do all these sorts of, uh, different layouts and stuff with the floor, but you can guarantee that like, uh, each player type will always be, sort of have access to their tools. And then I can imagine if like you pick two chefs, they're both like a mad dash to the kitchen to start grabbing chef's knives and all this sort of stuff. And it just becomes this really intense, uh, really intense small space battle. Whereas um, you can imagine like two unlike professions immediately dash to opposite ends of the hotel because they know the stage well enough. And they're like, I'm going to go, 
they come back and it's a frying pan versus a vacuum cleaner. And like, how the heck does that play out? I think it's a balance between, you know, taking the time to separate from your opponent to find a useful item versus not wanting to let them out of your sight because you don't want them getting the drop on you. You know, because eventually one of the two of you are going to have to go looking for each other. And if you are, you know, somebody could be kind of hidden in such a way that if you open a door, they would be able to kind of like swoop in on you unseen. I like the idea, too, of of playing with and pushing the genre a little bit to the way that Metal Gear, like, um, sorry, spoilers for I think Metal Gear 4, um, but towards the end of that game, there's kind of this moment where suddenly you're playing a fighting game. Is I, th- I think that's the right Metal Gear um, that I'm thinking of there. But the mm-hmm. idea of like maybe when you're both running and rummaging through the hotel, it's a little bit more like state of decay or something like that, where you can actually like knock around things and search cabinets and all this stuff. But it's only once the players get within a certain proximity to each other, the camera sort of pans down and locks in and the health bars appear. And then you're in like almost more of a traditional fighting game mode. Yeah. Um, I, I like escape always being an option as well. You know, if you want to run away from a fight and potentially try to hide somewhere and, you know, use that to your advantage if yeah. you, the uh, face-to-face battle isn't going your way. Yeah. And I, the, even just something as simple as like, if it takes like two solid seconds to open a door, you can open a door doors stay open and then like potentially if you need to quickly run out of a room you slam the door behind you and you know that you're going to get like a one to two second animation for the other person to slow open the door so you just create that moment of like oh he's running away (laughs) i can't quite get to them uh and and play with the environment in a way that like some things have a certain number of frames of animation in this and you could use it in frames right and communicate it in frames like the way a fighting game would Are there other games that you think would be kind of a good uh, go-to kind of mentally as we think about maybe like character action games like Devil May Cry and Bayonetta have aspects of being kind of 3D explorable fighting games? Uh, I also had to think about Smash Bros in here because a lot of the bigger Smash Bros stages like, you know, the Hyrule Temple, which is kind of one of the the fan favorites um, from Melee and onwards was... uh, that one's interesting because it has so many different like places that all function very differently. And so kind of depending on your character or depending on your play style, you might choose to lure people to areas where you think you might have an advantage. And then, you know, all of a sudden, if you are in that, uh, that space with the, uh, with the, the ceiling up at the top of the level versus if you're on that small little Island hanging off of the cave entrance at the bottom of the level, like, there's so many different options are available to you. You know, one of the things that I didn't even, because my mind was for somehow went to Distraga, the, when you mentioned that, that level in Super Smash, I, the, the thing that I, I start to think about is I forgot that this could be an entirely still 2D fighter and you could have like essentially the cutout side, almost like the ghost mansion, uh, level in Smash Brothers and, 
have like the cut outside of a hotel and know that there are stage mechanics like knocking people through walls and doing damage, like blowing people through guest rooms and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, kicking someone into an elevator and then sending them up to another floor and having to run up uh, the stairwell to chase them up there. Uh, that kind of stuff. Anyways, we're out of time. Uh, gosh, that I was just thinking like how one. much fun it would be to fight on the stairs and to get that high ground and kick people <laughs> down the stairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Or or if hit the fire alarm and make it so all the elevators shut down and you have to take <laughs> the stairs. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's close it down. Let's give it a name. Basil, this is a good one. Um, The waiter, the cook, the guard, the cleaner. <laughs> is it just like... Would you call this like the help or the staff or something or staff, staff battle? Staff is a fighting game term as well because you can like wield a staff. What would be a combat staff maybe? Combat staff? <laughs> I do like staff battle or uh, uh, s- staff fighter? Is that now? That sounds that sounds like a, a Nintendo title or something like that. Um, like NES era. Uh, let's see. I'm just trying to Google. There's staff infection. I don't think that works. Staff what paper. is the industry called? It's called the the hospitality industry, right? Is there something fun with hospitality? Let's see. Like, I want to do like hospital italiality or <laughs> yeah, or a hostile hospitality, <laughs> a hostile hospitality or something. I can see uh, matches ending like hospitality. <laughs> hospitality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, who is the Finish your job. What's a maitre d? Is a maitre d uh, a hotel thing, or is that um like a, just an event thing? I think it's like a like a host of some sort. Um, I like maitre death. Searching Google for hotel jobs, but yeah. obviously that's just giving me job listings. <laughs> uh, oh, there's like bellboys and bellhops. Like, is there like fight bell or something? Ah, <laughs> uh, let's see. I like um, the idea of a bellboy being involved, being able to like throw luggage and stuff. Mm-hmm. I could go with any of these. Hospita- if you did hospitality, but you put it in a nice gory font, I think that would sell it. <laughs> okay. All right. Hospitality then. <laughs> That's our submission for the day. Thank you much, Basil, for writing in. It's a good one. I like it. Yeah. Um, and of course, if you do want to deliver those additional details, we're very happy to revisit in the future. Go ahead and uh, write back in and... Um, deliver us whatever kinds of of thoughts you want on that or any really previous pitches are still up in the air if people want to resurface them then we can uh we can certainly swing back turns out a decent format might be taking something extraordinary or crazy and applying mundane things to it been a proven formula in the past (laughs) all right well that was uh written into our website you can do you can um Give us one of your own video, uh, video game ideas by going to playridecast.com slash pitch. You can email us playridecast at gmail.com or you can tweet us at playridecast. Special thank you to Protodome for the use of our theme song, Hello World, off the album Blue Noise. I'm actually going to take uh, one second here and quickly plug uh, Protodome has a new album called 4000 AD, which I guess is all one bit music which if you are into some really creative sounding digital music this thing is pretty dope you should go give it a listen and go check out the other shows on the Kane and rinse network like Kane and rinse sound of play and the sausage factory where uh chris o'regan was talking to um a guy named kevin randino of spirit stone studio 
uh, about being inspired by Sonic the Hedgehog this past week, which is a really, well, it'd be two <laughs> weeks ago by the time you hear this, but go check out uh, Sausage Factory. It's a great show. Specifically the movie, I presume. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it starts with the movie. He said, in in the order, it's movie, then 3D Sonics, then the originals. All right, um, let's... Uh... Let's sign off with a miniature pitch coming from you. How about a asynchronous take on Sea of Thieves where your entire job is to hide treasure from pirates? <laughs> All right. Good one. Um, I wonder if that's something you can do in Sea of Thieves. I've not spent enough time to know if you can actually bury some of your own treasure. I know. You must be able to, surely. All right. Uh, we'll see you next week, everyone. Bye. Bye.